chapter nine of fuel of fire this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. fuel of fire by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter nine another woman tempts the woman tempted me and i did eat such the apology once made by adam who paved a way more trodden by men's feet than any fashion by the great macadam the following afternoon nancy was silent with the silence which accompanies excessive happiness even in the most loquacious people when one has just been treading the highways to zion and beholding visions of angels it is difficult to bring oneself down to the level of ordinary conversation with one's fellow-creatures particularly when those fellow-creatures happen to be relations and so nancy found it anthony in fraternal fashion was not slow to observe this unusual reticence on the part of his generally loquacious kinswoman what is the matter with our beloved nancy he asked of nora in a stage whisper loud enough to have pierced ears much more remote than nancy's is it her liver or her lover that is out of order and so produces this distressing and unnatural depression you must ask her replied nora but nancy did not take any notice she found lawrence's past remarks much more nourishing food for meditation than anthony's present ones a not unprecedented experience of female relations tony gazed at her pensively then murmured oh that those lips had language life has passed but slowly with me and nora since we heard thee last then the mystic roused herself sufficiently to speak and her speech was to the point don't be an ass was all she said i will try not indeed i will but as i have remarked before it runs in the burton family as it did in balaam's the only difference being that balaam was amazed when his ass spoke we on the contrary marvel when ours is silent nora laughed and nancy tried not to do so but the reason for the upset is the same in both cases anthony went on the ass saw an angel in the way i'd rather hold my tongue till doomsday than talk as much nonsense as you do said nancy nevertheless your daily walk and conversation give the lie to this statement anthony sighed would that it were not so what are you going to do after tea tony asked nora who naturally did not take an absorbing interest in this accurate diagnosis of her sister's amatory condition i shall go for a stroll in the lanes i think in order that my always delicate digestion may recuperate itself between the efforts of tea and dinner i always find if i don't take exercise at this particular hour that i am incontinently launched upon my dinner before i have duly forgotten my tea and there is something rather indecent in that like marrying again before one's first wife is sufficiently dead don't you know whereupon nancy woke up thoroughly you can't go for a stroll in the lanes then i'm occupying the lanes myself this evening she said as if she were referring to a common bathroom which was used in turns anthony fairly gloated over her discomfiture ah now we have hit the nail that is to say our beloved nancy upon the head then how our 
Nora and I to get such exercise as the state of our digestions and the size of our teas demand, I should like to know. You can go for a walk along the road. The high road is good enough for relations, replied Nancy indifferently. Anthony clasped his hands in mock admiration. Oh, wise young judge, how I do honor thee. Where did you learn all these truisms, my dear young friend? Oh, in various places. I'm going to write a new version of Eyes and No Eyes, said Tony. It will be about a good little girl who never made eyes, and so the high road was as uninteresting and uninstructive to her as the loveliest lane and about a naughty little girl who always made eyes wherever she went so long as there was somebody it didn't matter who to make eyes too and in consequence the dullest field paths to her were full of delightful and sentimental memories and the less frequented a road by ordinary traffic the more pleasure she got out of it it would be a very nice story applauded nora to whom also the lanes at the back of wayside were not altogether untrodden ground anthony sighed then do you agree with nancy in exiling yourself and me from the cool sequestered lanes of life and condemning our tottering footsteps to the ammer 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 of the ard high road nora nodded nancy and i always play fair about the lanes we never enter them when they are being occupied by the others and we keep the rest of the family away too how do you keep my esteemed aunt and uncle away on these interesting occasions nora smiled demurely we tell mother that there are tramps about and father that it is damp underfoot anthony shouted with laughter well you and nan are two for a pair as my old nurse used to say we certainly are intelligent young women said nora with complacency then anthony again turned his attention to the elder sister if i were you i should learn a lesson from the sermons in stone those stones which are laid down for the prevention of traffic by the county council and i should station at the entrance to your particular lane a youth with a red banner bearing the strange device this road is closed for repairs without the re now i call that a distinctly neat idea nancy could not help laughing although she was in love really tony you are killing your bitterest enemy couldn't deny that you are convulsing at times with which compliment let us withdraw lest you should think better of it and add a codicil or a postscript which might give me pain and undermine that absolute self-appreciation which is the keystone to my interesting and complex character said anthony getting up from the easy chair where he had been lounging and going out of the room come along nora and we'll get the dogs and leave our dear nan to derive what intellectual pleasure she can from the society of one who is a man but not a brother all right and nora obediently followed him when the others had started for their walk nancy put on her hat and wandered through the orchard and across the field to the iron gate which led straight into fairyland and as she strolled along the grassy road with its high green hedges on either side shutting off the common workaday world she wondered how anybody could ever feel unhappy on such a beautiful earth as this she had always been susceptible to the beauties of nature though hitherto they had awakened in her a sort of indefinable craving what for she did not know a sort of unconscious questioning to which apparently there was no answer sometimes there had seemed to her to be a useless prodigality of beauty 
as if the foolish old earth had put on her glorious apparel and decked herself with her jewels before a gala day which never came surely simpler garments would have been sufficient for the trivial rounds and the common tasks which do not furnish all we ask even if they furnish all we ought to ask when we are on the sunny side of thirty but now at last nancy understood why the earth beneath her was paved with emerald and the heavens above her were crowned with a sapphire dome why each wild flower was a marvel of exquisite workmanship and each star in the firmament had its place in that majestic choir whose te deum was begun in the dawn of creation by the sons of god it was because the birthday of her life had come because her love had come to her that she found out why the earth had been made so beautiful for lawrence's feet the emerald pavement had been laid down over lawrence's head the canopy of sapphire had been suspended and now because lawrence loved her and told her so the mountains and the hills broke forth before her into singing and all the trees of the field clapped their hands nancy's friends with the singular blindness of those who have known us from our youth up would have said in fact did say that she was too shallow and light-hearted to fall in love in the ordinary accepted use of the term because she continually laughed and hardly ever cried they decided that the deeper things of life were a closed book to her merry blue eyes and because she chose to wear upon her sleeve such selections from her heart as she considered suitable for publication they made up their minds that these selections constituted her whole property in that line and that because she talked freely about some of her feelings such feelings as she did not talk about were non-existent there are no people so sorely misjudged in this world as the people who go through life as laughing philosophers just as there is no figure in nursery lore so pathetic as that of the jolly miller who lived by the river d does any one imagine the man of malt would have troubled to have informed his world that he cared for nobody and nobody cared for him if such a statement had indeed been true not he he would rather have made affecting speeches at charity organization meetings and wept copiously at the imaginary woes portrayed in theatres and told pathetic stories of his early love affairs and generally conducted himself as all such elderly gentlemen conduct themselves who are actually what the so-called jolly miller pretended to be it was because he cared so much that he pretended to care so little nevertheless he thereby deceived all children both of smaller and of larger growth which after all is what he desired and intended to do nancy had not wandered far along the land when she saw a well-known figure in a light tweed suit coming toward her from the direction of poplar farm for a second she was possessed with an insane desire to run away and hide herself where that tweed-clad figure could not find her and yet she was fully aware that for the rest of her days all roads that did not lead to that figure would be unfit for traffic as far as her feet were concerned such is the contrariety of the feminine mind there was a look in lawrence's grey eyes as he greeted her which made her want more than ever to run away from him at once and never to run away from him at all as long as she lived two desires which naturally were incompatible so she gave herself and him the benefit of the doubt and remained after they had strolled together right down into the heart of fairyland using by the way such fond talk as lovers are wont to use when no reporter happens to be present 
they finally arrived at a stile set in the middle of an unfrequented field as far from the madding crowd as it is possible to be in mercia and upon this stile they sat side by side after the approved fashion of robert burns and his mary why tradition has assigned a stile as the seemly resting-place for lovers is an interesting problem taken as a seat qua seat it is indefensible combining as it does the minimum of comfort in remaining on with the maximum of danger in falling off and even putting so commonplace a consideration as comfort out of the question the difficulty of balancing oneself for any length of time on so limited a space must always in some degree interfere with the fluency of conversation of persons thus delicately balanced nevertheless a style has always been and always will be the regulation throne of king cupid and any attempt to substitute for it a more convenient and less uncomfortable resting-place would be on a par with reorganizing a monarchy or disestablishing a state church are you quite sure you love me sweetheart asked lawrence all the big heart of him shining out of his large gray eyes nancy nodded absolutely certain i'd taken an oath to that effect before a magistrate's clerk or a coroner's jury without running the slightest risk of seven years for perjury you silly little child what nice nonsense you talk so do you do you know you really have been frightfully silly this afternoon i know that baby i like being silly anybody can be clever in fact i was clever myself long before i'd ever seen you but it takes a man who is absolutely and devotedly in love to be becomingly silly and there are precious few of that sort in this wicked world i can assure you miss burton how much do you love me asked nancy as much as i can and that's a jolly lot but how much can you as much as this replied lawrence covering her face with kisses that's no answer it's like saying as big as a lump of chalk you're as bad as me when i once wrote to a bookseller's shop and ordered a prayer-book the same size as a birthday text-book you can imagine how father and tom roared at me i can i want you to tell me exactly how much you love me nancy persisted a little bit more than you love me then how much do i love you ah that is your business you can't expect me to give an accurate diagnosis of your symptoms my darling when i am so culpably ignorant of my own now i must confess that i should have thought a clever girl like you could have answered a simple little question like that and i should have thought a clever man like you could have answered it but i don't set up as being clever and you do nancy smiled you were considered very clever at oxford weren't you i was but i'm not responsible you know for all the traditions to which so antique and interesting a city give birth and mathematics were your strong point weren't they i always prided myself on being able to put two and two together well then and nancy nodded her head triumphantly a good mathematician ought to be able to measure so simple a thing as his own love for a girl excuse me but the very best mathematicians cannot measure infinity and lawrence kissed her again but i'd spend the rest of my days in trying to show you how much i love you he continued more seriously if only i wasn't so confoundedly poor it is a nuisance and nancy sighed thereby cutting lawrence to the heart it was intolerable to him to think that he who desired nothing so much as her happiness should be the one to bring that pathetic note into her voice and that sad look into her eyes but never mind he said after a moment's pause trying to take a more encouraging view of things 
the luck is sure to turn soon and then i can speak to your father and we can be properly engaged probably i shall succeed in letting some of the farms that just now are empty i might even be able to let the hall and then you'll soon see how much i love you sweetheart i suppose that fire insurance hampers you a good deal remarked nancy thoughtfully it does confound the beastly thing and you couldn't leave off paying it not without forfeiting the property according to my grandfather's will and you couldn't sell the old library not without the same disastrous result i think it is very unfair of people to make wills like that so do i but when they have made them there is no use in defying them i wish the prophecy would come true and the hall be burned down again remarked nancy with another sigh so do i for some things but the misfortunes that one desires are invariably the misfortunes from which one is preserved i suppose if it did come true you would have plenty of money plenty my darling but it won't come true so it's no use thinking about it after a minute's silence nancy said i wish we could call down fire from heaven to consume baxendale hall and be happy ever afterward but you see we can't dear love couldn't you light your pipe there or have a bonfire on guy fawkes day or something of that kind lawrence was struck as we are all struck now and again by the strangeness of that unwritten law which rules that history even in the smallest things shall repeat itself we hear the name of a place or a person which we have never heard before and during the next day or two that place or person is again mentioned in our hearing we come upon a word that is entirely new to us and in the next book we open that particular word hits us full in the face we are all familiar with this phenomenon yet it never ceases to surprise us and therefore it came as a shock to lawrence when accordance with this remarkable law of chance nancy said the very same thing which his mother had said to him so short a time before my darling don't say such things even in jest it hurts me to hear you say them but i can't help wishing them oh lawrence you don't know how i love you and how horrid everything is without you and nancy's lip quivered lawrence took her in his arms and tried to comfort her don't fret sweetheart things will take a turn for the better soon i know they will and then think what lovely times we will have together but not until we are too old to enjoy them argued nancy disconsolately it won't be much fun going about together if we have to go in two bath chairs with a glass down we shan't do that yes we shall and i shall look at you through blue spectacles and you will make love to me down an ear trumpet and everything will be simply detestable dear little child don't fret repeated lawrence but i must fret i can't help fretting you should never have kissed me if you hadn't wanted me to fret we might have such fun if only you'd make a bonfire of the silly old place i hate the sight of it oh nancy yes i do and it's got to be burned down a third time by something which is greater and higher than king or state and what can that be i should like to know but love i don't believe you're really in love with me at all or else you'd be only too pleased to burn down your house in order that i might warm my hands at the blaze in fact that is what you would do if you were a really nice obliging chivalrous sir walter raleigh kind of a man perhaps i might if it wasn't insured that makes all the difference don't you see no i don't don't you see that it would have taken the shine out of old raleigh's cloak trick if he'd covered the puddle with a borrowed mantle knowing that he should get a brand new one out of the transaction i can't think why you don't fire mrs candy with a desire to read some of the old manuscripts so that she might study them by candlelight and in her turn fire the hall 
lawrence believed that nancy was talking the broadest nonsense and did not mean a word she said nevertheless it hurt him that her suggestion should so exactly coincide with his mother's my darling he entreated don't make life harder than it really is by saying things that cut me to the heart but nancy only laughed you see the hall has got to be burned down a third time everybody who knows anything at all knows that and it would be so lovely if only it would happen in our time nobody will ever get as much fun out of the money as you and i should lawrence dear perhaps not darling you know i mind it all as much as you do don't you i suppose you do rather doubtfully but you remind me of the old scotch woman who went for the first time to a ritualistic church and said na doot they love the lord but sakes they've a funny way o showing it you've a funny way of showing it too but lawrence's face was too sad to smile i'm sure you don't want me to be more unhappy than i need be nancy i don't want you to be unhappy at all silly that's what i keep proving if you'd only attend to what i say i want us both to be happy perfectly gloriously frightfully happy until every week seems like a cricket week and every day like a bank holiday so do i sweetheart and we will be some day but in the meantime don't break my heart certainly not i'm not such a goose as to go about smashing my own property well you will break it if you go about saying things which you don't mean in the very least but which somehow lower my ideal of you nancy made a face now we shall hear something really improving the preacher for this afternoon will be the rev lawrence baxendale sometimes postmaster merton his subject will be the follies of young women in general exemplified by largely exaggerated magic lantern slides of the peculiar negligences and ignorances of miss nancy burton but lawrence would not be put off by her jokes my dear you don't really want to hurt me do you you silly old boy of course i don't do you think that my usual way of annoying a man is to tell him that i love him because if you do it isn't particularly complimentary to me then promise me you will never say anything again even in jest about burning down the hall all right you shall make out an index expurgatorius of the things i mustn't make jokes about it will include everything that begins with a b baxendales and burning and burtons and beatitudes and so on and so on give me a kiss to seal your promise and she kissed him full on the lips nevertheless it was many a long day before either lawrence or nancy forgot that conversation they imagined in the blindness of their hearts that they had cancelled it with kisses but no kisses nor tears nor even death itself can ever wipe out the effects of the spoken word whereof it is written that men and women shall give an account in the day of judgment End of chapter nine